Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. And welcome to Rule the Roost podcast. Your ears do not deceive you. Uh, my name is Raj Baines, um, and joining me is Sebastian Stafford Blore. We are collectively said back from the dead. Yeah, Jack killed us off before Christmas, didn't he? Yeah, well, we, we've missed two in a row, the pair of us, for different reasons. Yeah, we've not yeah. eloped, um, no. although it has been discussed. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we're, we're still negotiating that. There are there are some some key differences on either side, uh, so. Yeah, nobody wants to be the bottom. Uh, the... <laughs> 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 We've brought the t- how how have we managed to go two podcasts with Jack Austin on his own, um, and we've brought the tone down. That's it. Within that's within something. a minute, yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. Um, essentially, we had a few tweets, didn't we, that said, you know, after the game last night against Chelsea, can you get on and? have a chat and whatnot and uh, given there's so many fixtures and, and whatnot it's probably an idea to because we've got is it Villa on the weekend and then the week after we've got um, West Brom West Brom yeah, yeah. so we'll, we'll probably do another podcast next week so um, if we just talk about Chelsea and uh, and Villa on this one Villa a little bit not a lot because yeah, it's a championship team now so we don't bother ourselves with that too much Um First things first, how do you enjoy Christmas and New Year? Do you have a nice time off? We've not spoken to each other since, although we were texting during the uh, festive period. Yeah, it was... uh, Well, the Christmas period itself was nice. I had a couple of days off before. Um, My mum came down to stay, and we had a lovely time. Um, But then, um, football being what it was, I had to go back to work quite early. Um, So, uh, yeah, it's a little bit truncated. And it kind of... It's the one time of the year I'm a little bit resentful, because... You see all these people that that are off until like the third of January, and you're yeah. kind of, you're kind of slogging down Southampton in the cold, um, <laughs> but uh, staying in like an, an Ibis budget hotel. Oh, um, yeah, fancy. yeah. Not not not. Did not, they not, not used not to be an um, Ibis, mate? An Ibis budget. They're, they're different oh, things. Yeah. So you, did um did Ibis not used to be ETAP? Uh, don't think so. Ibis oh, have been around for quite a long time. We had um there was an ETAP in Leeds. Um, and it got known for, um, it used to offer hourly rates. So it used to be known for sort of a place where you'd either take uh, ladies you'd acquired uh, for a fee um, or sort of people having business meetings with people who aren't part of their marriage. Um, so, it, so it rebranded <laughs> itself. Have you have you ever heard the um, old grime song, The Eat Up Rhythm? I haven't, I um, I'll I'll drop in a bit because I don't want to quote the lyrics here, but. Yo, it's an ETAP thing. Even though the rooms are Saturday cream, nobody cares though, because at the end of the day, we're only here for one thing. Whether you make your partner or a link, switch up the lights and sip to drink. Do it your way, night or day. Bit of foreplay, let's do this thing, let's do this thing, and not be disturbed. Scream what you want and let it be heard. Bounce up and down, round up and round I can't stop before seconds of birth Big human, we don't have to be dirt Go all night and put in the work Leg punch, shoulders, feel it in your belly Try and tell me that shit don't hurt that essentially cuts to the chase of what ETAP used to be known for I don't think it might be I'm not sure if it is a lead song or not but it were it were popular back in the day when i was younger back when you were you were too young to use etap but 
you're not old enough to know what <laughs> what it was there for. Um, but yeah, that's not what you're using your IBIS budget for, is it? No, no, it, it doesn't. It, it, it's very. Um, I was actually that. I, I joke. It was actually quite. A, it was. It was absolutely fine. It was. Um, was called, Lenny Henry there? He was not. He was not. No, that that's um, that's Premier Inn, isn't it? Oh, right. Or Travel Lodge or something. No, it's um, it's very, very, you know, it's very basic, but it is what you pay for. And if you're just staying there literally for the sake of having a bed for the night, you don't want, you know, you're not, you, you just obviously after a game finishes and you've done all the the press stuff and it's probably about midnight and you you know you want to go home at about eight nine o'clock next morning. I mean, it's fine, absolutely fine. Twenty quid jobs are good, and that you can't be. Well, not quite twenty quid, but it was yeah, roundabout yeah. Yeah. How much do budget hotels go for these days? Because I remember you could you used to be able to get a travel lodge room for twenty five thirty quid. Yeah, that one cost me just over fifty. Uh, Jesus. Yeah. Well, was it last minute though? Yeah, very last minute because I obviously the difficulty is is that um, you generally don't know that you're covering a game or that you you've been accepted to cover a game. Uh, uh, we you're looking for room at the inn around Christmas. <laughs> exactly that. Yeah. <laughs> I knocked on all kinds of hotel doors. They wouldn't have me, so I, you know, followed the star, and <laughs> there, there was there was the the, the budget ibis. Yeah, excellent. Uh, that would have been a, a turn up in the nativity. Yeah, if Jesus had been born in an ibis budget. Ibis budget, yeah, surrounded by kind of remnants of uh, shipping industry and you know that kind of stuff. After Mary's told a lie, after that hour she spent in Etap, yeah, yeah. and never told Joseph. <laughs> anyway, before we incite some sort of. Uh, religious war um probably isn't too hard these days no, no. um we'll we'll, uh, we'll move swiftly on um chelsea mm. um we played chelsea we beat chelsea um we ended their run of 13 wins on the trot a possible record 14th um is not to happen this time uh last time we played chelsea at white hat lane possibly um depending on cup games, the last evening game at White Hart Lane. Um, all that combined, the way it went down, um, I think everybody was, everybody from a Tottenham perspective at least, was a happy bunny last night. How was it for you? It was really odd. It was um, it was, it was probably the most complete performance I've seen from Tottenham against Chelsea in, since they became modern Chelsea. I, I think that quite easily it was. Um Nouveau Chelsea. Well, they're kind of the the yeah the the mineral wealth Chelsea. Um, the uh, it was amazing how um, you know you know how in those games even at White Hart Lane you you you're always gripped by a certain sense of fear and a kind of general foreboding uh, about even even when you're a goal or two up you know you you still sense that I think that's part of the furniture of being a Spurs fan is that you always sense that something there's a sting in the tail somewhere. Um, and I, I was a little bit. Yeah, you go into every big game thinking you're you thinking there's some pumped. we're going to get somehow from from a winning position. There's going to be some kind of humiliation somewhere, um, <laughs> and and there wasn't. But also the general sense of calm I felt. I was a little bit ill, uh, a little bit ill, even L, um, and so quite heavily medicated when I was watching it. But um, even so, it was just it was it was one of the easiest games to watch I've seen. Um, we went we given that Chelsea have had easily the the most favourable festive fixture list um they, they they can't possibly point to any sort of cumulative fatigue uh they had their full strength team out they had no significant injury problems um and there, there were no circumstances which really uh were weighted against them i thought it was a, a, a remarkably composed performance because um okay uh hazard missed um that header in the um in the second half which he probably should have done better with but we we held them at arm's length which i don't think i've ever seen a tottenham team do I mean, we, we've beaten Chelsea before, but it's been in that sort of... It, it's always had a slightly basketball feel to it. Like, even um, even in that... Uh, even at our very best under Redknapp, um, in the game where Bale got Terry sent off, or, you know, in that game, in the the, the, the prior victory under, under Yol, um, it was... We came out on top, but it was kind of a boom-bust sort of game where... You know, Chelsea hit a couple of posts uh, in the second game. They scored that late uh, consolation goal, and we 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 withstood a bit of pressure. There was none of that last night. It was um, it was we were just better, um, 
And even in the uh, the Pochettino game where we won in the new year, they were still in that, that game in a way. Yeah, it was I mean, still it was still sort of nervous. It was yeah. it was almost as if those good moments where the goals poured in. That's it. It wasn't it wasn't sort of ninety minutes of total domination. It, it, it was definitely was sort of periods where you got a knockout punch and and sort of they they couldn't get back into it just yeah, because of time restraints. It's kind of like a rocky fight of a football game that that five three. Um, yeah. And I, um, it was interesting because uh, I was thinking about this before we started recording, and um, it actually reminded me of watching Tottenham lose that kind of game previously in years gone by, where you know you'd be competent, but ultimately when it mattered, someone someone on their on the other side would come up with a little bit of quality which would undo us, or we'd have a bad defensive moment like uh, like Aspilicueta did for Ali's first goal, and well, Aspilicueta arguably did for for Ali's second goal. Um, but it was it was like a role. Both, both goals were exactly the same. In fairness, I think so. I mean, well, I think there were kind of um, multiple errors uh, within the, the defensive third for both. Um, but yeah. I think sort of it's, it's quite easy to pick out as a bit of quarter. But I, what I mean is that it was the kind of laps that we used to be culpable of quite regularly in yeah. that sort of game. Like you, you'd be okay, and because for, for for most of the first half, Chelsea Chelsea actually played quite well. I mean, they didn't really yeah. hurt us, but they kept the ball quite nicely, and you know they they carried a little bit of a menace. Um, but we just. I like that point you made though about it, it, Chelsea's performance being sort of reminiscent of old Tottenham because yeah. we we did go into big games sort of like scrappy do, yeah. In that we'd, we'd be full of energy, full of purpose, hundred miles an hour, you know. Yeah, but even when even when if we'd start the game well, we'd always fall behind. It was like the amount of times I've seen Tottenham do really well against a good team and then the first time they had an opportunity on the break Spurs uh, were deflated yep. because they conceded straight away and I think that almost worked in our favour with the two goals Conte actually summed it up quite nicely in his post-game interview he said they scored just before half-time which you never want and then in our best moment in the second half they scored again yep. and it's sort of like the two moments in which you least want punching in the gut we got them um and it, it, it was two decisive goals. I, I think the statistical was we only had two shots on target, wasn't it? So to uh, score two, yeah, uh, I suppose that that um, that uh, that save that um, say that save that Courtois made in the first half. I suppose that 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 dire header was a sort of a, more of a cross header rather than one that was. Um, yeah, he was trying to put that back. I think he was trying box. to pull it back. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Although, given where Kurto was standing, having looked at the replays, I think maybe he could have sneaked in near post. Yeah, I think it looked to me like a um, a preset move um, with him going right to the back post and heading across. I, I, I just, I don't think he was able to. I, I think he got a little bit more space than he was expecting to get um, because you'd imagine, like, if you, you're defending a set piece against Tottenham. You say right. Well, we 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 got to make sure we look after Alderweireld and Vertonghen, but and Kane, but also probably keep an eye on Dyer because his he. I mean, for for Tottenham and England, he's shown he's a bit of a he's a bit of a threat. Yeah, mm. we had that period last year where he scored a couple of bullet headers at the near post. Yeah, yeah. Um, so he's decent in that sort of an area. Um, if we do talk about who's decent on the night, I think we'll be here all night because I don't think anybody put in a in a bad performance. No. The formation's interesting because we went like for like, which we have done a few times this year, um, and it has been something we've we've been able to lean on more because both Walker and Rose have stepped up so significantly um, and just built on what was a great season last year. But they've, you know, they've added even more consistency to it, and the confidence that they're now both playing with has taken them to a level that there were questions last year about. You know just how competitive it was between our fullbacks. Yeah. Um. You know, Trippier was seen as this sort of almost the carbon copy type Carl Walker player. <laughs> and we we saw of, of how well he played when he came in against Watford of what he's capable of. Um. But it's still night and day between what Carl Walker is able to do with you know his intelligence now, which you know Carl Walker and intelligence used to be. Uh, That's it. Two sentence, two words in a sentence you never have together. So, um, you know, oxymoronic, but it, it's true now. And the same goes for Danny Rose, who is more often than not the best player on the pack. I think um, every time I've seen, uh, every time I've seen Tottenham live this season, Danny Rose has been our best player. Um, and I, I think, I think you'd have to. 
you're, you're right. Like a, a year ago, that the contest between both fullbacks was pretty close, and I think I think Walker has certainly accelerated away from um, from Trippier. But the gap between Rose and Davis now is is enormous. And I mean, if you go back to old Rule of the Roost episodes and conversations between you and I, I think mm. there was legitimately. Um, we, we'd have weekly discussions about it, but now there's not even a discussion yeah. to be had because he's improved and, so much. He's and our yeah. they, these aren't bad um, fullbacks to have on the bench. No, no, not at all. I think um, Kieran Trippier and Carl Walker are stylistically very similar. I think there's, there's there's a huge stylistic difference between what Ben Davies brings to a team and what um, Danny Rose brings to a team, and I think there's merits to both. Ben Davies, I think, would walk into the Liverpool team because they're playing, you know, James Milner at left back at the minute. I think so Ben he, Davies would walk into Manchester City's team. Actually. Exactly. Yeah, so which is he, quite a strange you know, thing to say, but um, if you think and about he's it. one actually, if if this three at the back thing is to um, continue as a left centre back in a in a three at the back, he's shown for Wales that that's something he's more than capable of doing. Yeah. Um, so he's you know he's got versatility there. Should we need it? So it's not necessarily saying you know these are players we should have on the scrap heap at all it's just sort of it helps illustrate the point of how brilliant these two players as a pair have become um and sort of their understanding with each other and what they do is is amazing yeah yeah i agree completely um with the th- with the three at the back with with eric dyer and and toby alderweireld and jan vertong and um that seemed to work well. I mean, I've not seen Costa that quiet for a full 90 minutes all year. He, he seemed to, you know, not want to get involved in any sort of uh, naughty behaviour either because, you know, Moussa Dembele's fingers were, you know, not too far away well, he, from his He tried, tried to give uh, Dyer's ear a little bit of a tweak. I don't, that was quite a strange moment. I'm not sure that whether that was um, whether it was actually hostility, um, but uh, it was quite bizarre, right? It's sort of the 88th minute or something. Yeah. Um, Eric Dyer was, you know, he's had some sort of some concerns and some critics about his performances at centre back this year because Victor Wanyama has been so good in the middle, so his, his chances there yeah. have been limited. But he was again faultless last night. Yeah, he did. He, he played well. I, I um, I I still feel a little bit uneasy with him at centre back. I I think, and I don't want it to sound like I'm, I'm I'm taking any credit away from him. I, I think that um, I think that playing as a third centre back when the other two were Alderweireld and Vertonghen. Um, must make the job quite easy, but he, I mean, I it's like being the drummer in the Beatles. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, it's, you, you just kind of it. It would be hard to look bad, I think. Um, but then you know that isn't to say that he, in terms of moving the ball up the field and his positioning, and he's a pretty good athlete as well, so he can cover in the channels, which is you know essentially if you're playing with a back three, um, I think it works very well. I, I don't know whether that's a long term thing, but certainly. Um, he looks like a more than passable centre back. Um, I, I suppose uh, you know I, I wouldn't be surprised if we're still having this discussion in five years' time because <laughs> Dyer might just be one of those players who moves between those two positions for the rest of his career. Because I wrote about this though when 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 he first went to midfield, it was after his first season where he'd floated between right back and centre back, and my concern was always with a player of such a young age being sort of labelled a utility man and a jack-of-all-trades usually gets you in a position where you are just floating in and out of the first team when needed and on the bench and you never mm. manage to, to nail down an exact position. And we've seen fantastic footballers. James Milner, again, is a fantastic example of this. He's mm. playing left-back at the minute, but he's, you know, he's first position well. in his best years. Playing, playing yeah, left-back to extremely high standard as well, which is pretty impressive. Yeah, but... It, his own favoured position would be number ten, and the fact that he's played both fullbacks, both wings, you know, everywhere across midfield essentially in his entire career, shows that maybe having that versatility can work against players sometimes. So that was my one fear with him: is that if if he did allow himself to become uh, a utility man, then he may sort of see his opportunities you know, lessened. Yeah, well, I mean, it's a it's a fear, isn't it? But I think that um. I mean, it's it, it's one of uh, it, six and, and um, half a dozen, mate. Because it's um, it's, I mean, it's both his biggest strength. Because you know, as as Tottenham progress on the Pochettino, you know, hopefully, um, I, you know, next sort of five years. I'm not talking season to season. I think um, anybody who uh, any nominal centre back or central midfielder is going to face increasing competition. Um, and so, yeah, the, there's that worry about kind of diluting skill sets and, and, you know, 
uh, versatility coming uh, at the cost of sort of greater refinement. But you know, it is at the moment his way of staying in the team. Um, and yeah, he's just a very useful player to have. It's it's quite a luxury because it's not like it's this is not a Gary Doherty situation where like you're just so crap that he gets in in both positions. Um, this is a you know a genuine. He is a an asset wherever he plays, and I think that okay, it would be nice to have an Alderweireld clone to play alongside for Tongan and Alderweireld, but we don't have that. And instead, you have this player who you know has a, a, a very solid. Um, base of, of, def- of defensive attributes but also some of the qualities you need in a midfield and that complements what we also have in midfield so you, you need to be able to push the ball either you know to to, to, to walk a high up the pitch or into Wanyama Dembele um, and you need to be able to do it in a less than formal in a more than formulaic way and he's able to do that because I think one of the, the underrated aspects of Dyer's game is his distribution um, over the Christmas period he's shown a little bit of that um, uh, I think in the game uh, I want to say the game against Hull, uh, where he played in Walker for the second goal. Um, you know, little, little touches. He's, he's he's got that, and, and to sort of move that from midfield into into a, a deeper position is a it gives us a, a strength, which is nice. Yeah, completely. Um, there were some people um, from a Chelsea Chelsea perspective um, that put their performance and sort of the result last night down to more what Chelsea failed to do rather than what Tottenham did, uh, mm. which, given that we're biased, we obviously think is unfair and wrong principally. Um, but, you know, how how much of that do you think was, in reality, Tottenham just being well-prepared and, and knowing how to stop Chelsea rather than them having an off night, which I don't think they really did because, you know, having watched them a lot and having seen how they play, it is more function over form. It is more sort of, they don't ever flare their way into games. You know, one their, one of their rare moments, one of their rare moments of flare, sorry, was when Pedro equalised us against uh, Stamford Bridge. Yeah. Um, but usually they are quite machine-like and they'll get a goal and they'll get another and then they'll just sort of, they will almost sleep-drive their way through the rest of the game and just keep a team at arm's length. And they they didn't seem to be able to do that against us. And it was, people use the word passive, but I think it's just because, you know, they, they I don't think they could get any traction because they weren't allowed to. I think... Um... I mean, my, my, my theory on Chelsea is that their strength lies uh, with Matic and Kante. I think it's the reason why their defence looks hasn't been allowed to look as vulnerable as it should because the defence of Luis Cahill and Aspilicueta is not that great on paper. Um, mm-hmm. And neither are their wide players that fantastic. But Victor Moses has done brilliantly and, and Alonso has, has played very well. But I think the difference last night was that um, we looked like a team whose preparation for that game had been excellent. Um and if that if 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 Jose Mourinho had been managing Spurs last night, um, the reaction to it would have been to um, to applaud him for his diligence and to label it a tactical masterclass. I think the reality, like Kante and Matic, did nothing. Uh, Matic, Matic actually got a little bit roughed up in the middle of the midfield, which is not surprising given that you had Dembele and Wanyama playing in the middle, probably two of the strongest uh, and most physical players. That exist in the Premier League. Wanyama was Wanya- absolutely outstanding. And that's the other thing, mate. It's not a coincidence that Chelsea were nullified and Wanyama also was absolutely excellent. Probably his best game. Yeah, maybe, I, I think so. Maybe aside from Man City back in um, whenever that was, because he was he was really. It's good not a, it's not a mistake that in his two best performances, we've kept a clean sheet and outplayed two teams who sort of tactically yeah. are supposed to be the most sophisticated that, in the division. Exactly that, because there was no. It's um, even more impressive in both of those two games as well. He got a yellow card early, and you know, in a similar Eric Lamella style, he, that he seems, seems to just to make his concentration. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. and because he can look. So so clumsy. It's like driving after you've had two pints. Well, there you go. Sort of, you know, or you know, when you're right on the cusp steady. of a driving ban with like you know nine 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 speeding points. Um, yeah, not that I ever would, by the way. But no, good. As, an, as an analogy. Okay, but I I um, and so as a result, you know, of sort of Wanyama having that game, but also us recognizing where the threat was going to come to and where where Chelsea's supply comes from. Um, I thought it just it took away all the um. Uh, it, it took away all the pathways to sort of Hazard and Pedro and, and Costa. They had um, 
they had a, a, a semi-dangerous break in the first half where, where Pedro and Costa had that little bit of a, an argument. But I'd say that... You know, yeah, they, they had a right bad. They did, they did, didn't they? But they, they that that seemed to come from you know a little bit of a mistake from us rather than anything that Chelsea produced themselves. Um, mm. And it just, yeah, I, I just thought that sort of uh, it, what was interesting is the last team to try and adapt around it, specifically to Chelsea's shape was Everton, and they got mm. beaten five 0 And that was an example <laughs> of a team um, setting up in a shape but not really understanding what they were trying to do within that shape. Just trying to say, okay, well, we're going to go man for man. And we're going to try and eliminate all your strengths by just being, you know, a kind of a mirror image of you. Whereas we mirrored what they can do. And arguably we look better in that shape. And we have players who are better suited to playing that shape. I'd say that if you gave me a choice between Alonso and Moses as those wide players and Rose and Walker, I think I'd take Rose and Walker every day of the week. Um, and ditto our centre-backs. Our three centre-backs, at least two of them would walk into that Chelsea team. Um, and it would just, it was, it was... I think this is, you know, we said at the beginning, there was nothing worrying about that game and there wasn't the normal um, kind of throttling fear that you get with watching Spurs in that kind of get, in that kind of match. And I think a lot of it was to do with, we just we, we were just a team in perfect harmony who knew what we were trying to do, knew what, what our opponents were going to try and do and were just better prepared. I think, I think Chelsea were outcoached last night. And uh, regards to the Chelsea thing about what Chelsea did badly, uh, take your medicine, boys. You lost. And you... you, 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 you I understand because Chelsea haven't lost since September, but ultimately it, it, Chelsea weren't allowed to play, really. Um, and sometimes yeah. you just have to accept that. And, uh, you know, we created the better chances. We defended better. We finished better. Everything we did, every one of our players was better than every one of theirs. And that's just, that's football sometimes. So, you know. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Um if we talk about the goals, because they were, they were two exactly the same, uh, Christian Eriksen balls in Deli Ali headers, mm. and Deli Ali's been on a you know fantastic run of form after mm-hmm. sort of a, a sketchy start in which people had questioned his ability, which was you know calling it premature would be kind. But mate, do, do do you think it was a questioning of ability, or do you think it was a questioning of focus? Because he... there were there were there were moments in games where I think he. You know, because he's in these Adidas adverts, because he is a name now, um, because he has a little bit of hype, there were there were moments I think you could see him as a twenty year old, slightly overexcited and started going, you know what, I can nutmeg him here that's and it, do that's a Cruyff turn where, you know, there was a simple pass on. Um and I think he just needed that that extra bit of focus. Um but I do think there were people who you know, more than questioning his concentration, were questioning his ability. I think okay. there were one or two who sort of thought that he was a flash in the pan and he, oh, he couldn't see. replicate what he'd done. Well, I'm, I, I'm think, sure I do that, think that was a genuine question. Well, knowing our fan base, I'm sure that's right. But I mean, I, I think we all know that's bollocks. Um, but I, I mean, I, I do think it's still legitimate to say that he was at times behaving like one of those kind of street footballers. You know, they're the ones. Yeah, that did, I, th- I yeah, think I, myself, I, I, not to be a hypocrite, I think I tweeted yeah. during maybe the Southampton game. Um, you know, it's amazing what he can do when he concentrates on That's being it. a footballer it's... and not try to put together a, a YouTube clip. Yeah, I, yeah, you did tweet. I remember that. Yeah, and that was right because I, you know, you, you there, there have been times where, like, I mean, at his best, I, I think what we've seen now is a kind of um, he's returned to the level he was at last season. Certainly, um, beyond the goals, I mean, his. His decisions in possession are not only quicker but less self self indulgent. Like I mean, he he's got back to realizing that like he is only as good as what he allows to happen, rather than yeah. what he necessarily does. And like you can not make as many players as, as you want, but if you then lose the ball, no one cares. Apart from I maybe think the, people on Twitter. But you, you know, like uh, yeah. The um, other point I'd make to be fair to him is that I think. Um, this season compared to last season, we've been a lot more fluid tactically mm-hmm. and the shape yeah. of the team has has changed far more often than it has. Yeah. And for him to settle in as quickly as he did from League One into the Premier League was aided by the fact that he played a majority of last year yeah. in one possession, one position in a settled side doing exactly the same task week on week. But this year, because we're asking different things of him, we're asking him to do things in different areas and, you know, perform different roles for the side it's taken him a little bit of time to get his head yeah, around yeah. that as well which is only natural um, um, I, w- I, w- I would add, you know once he's settled now you, you see how good he is i would add that um also i think something that i certainly missed which has only occurred to me recently is that 
uh, last season. I mean, he wasn't reliant, but he lent quite heavily on on two things. Like uh, he his combination with Kane was very instructive. Um, you know, we we saw that a couple of times the two of them playing it off each other. Whether you know maybe one was going a little bit deeper, and you know we we see Ali sometimes attack the defensive line for a through ball or a, you know ball over the top, but also. Um, he was probably more than anybody else um, enabled by uh, Alderweireld's passing range. Um, certainly two of his goals came from that place, but he seems to be able to read that ball better than anybody else in our team. And um, obviously both of those players have missed large parts of the season. So um, he's been playing off at times Vincent Janssen, uh, Sonner's a false nine, um, Sissoko's come into the team. I think there's been a bit of a... Ali. Ali's like obviously a really talented player in his own right, but he's also... At his best, he seems to be someone that, you know, um, really benefits from the work of others. Um, he's pretty good with loose balls. He's he's good at reading um, uh, another player's intentions. Um, and when you don't have that chemistry at the top of the pitch, which at times we really haven't. I mean, I, I think that was shown by that period of time where we, we were <laughs> we couldn't score from open play. Um, I think he probably, you know, he got sucked into that little malaise. And now that sort of the team is, I would say that the team that started last night is our first choice side. I'm not sure such a thing exists, but I think that is our strongest side. Um, uh, it, it just, it looks far healthier and he's doing all the things that he did last season. Like the sort of the, um, I mean, okay, both of his goals last night, great header, but it, it's reliant on instinct as well. And, you know, reading, Kristen Eriksen can play as good a cross as he likes, but unless Ali has moved into the right space, it doesn't, it's not going to count for anything. Ultimately, it's great. Let's not forget, Delhi Ali couldn't head a ball to save his life <laughs> previously. Like the amount of headed chances he would get because he made those late runs and because he'd be in the right areas were quite plentiful. Yeah. But he'd waste them routinely. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. this year he has scored a fair few headers. And, you know, and the first headers, one last no, night. That was a great f- header. That was all about, you know, uh, anywhere else in the goal, uh, you know, a few inches to the left and Cotto would have got that because he's a, a top tier goalkeeper. But he he's also six measured foot seven that brilliantly. as well, isn't he? He's something like yeah. six foot six. He's a big boy. There was actually a, a, um, a picture recently of um, Cotto um, taking a picture with uh, an NBA player. I can't remember who it was recently. I saw that, um, and he looks. He looks. He looks absolutely fucking. T- it was, I think it was Joel Embiid who plays for the 76ers. Um, Isn't he seven he foot one? He looks like a child yeah, next yeah. to him. Yeah, yeah, I saw um, that. Which, which was you know hilarious. Um, but you know that's to sort of get uh, sidetracked. We don't like to sidetrack on this pod. No, I think we're, Embiid's we're, about we're, seven foot. We're all about focus on rule the roost. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you what, it's been half an hour. Let's uh, let's pull up some listener questions and see what they had to say for themselves. Okay. <laughs> I'm thrilled. No, no, no that's okay. Nude. That's all right. Let's do that. Um. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Assuming everyone is fit for an average Premier League game like West Brom, should three four three rather than four two three one now be our default setting? That's from Nick Cowan. I don't, um, I, I don't, I don't feel that easy talking about default settings now because I think a good manager uh, has the flexibility to go between. I think one of the, yeah, I think, also for courses. and that's it. I think one of the great strengths. I think that the the two best uses of the 3-4-3 this season have been against Chelsea last night, but also Arsenal at the Emirates. Um, and in each case, they're a reaction to the circumstance. So I think um, I think also 
I think formation can be slightly overplayed. I think I think the the real question is over the players, uh, which is, of course is is um, instructed by by the formation itself. But I I think that's the more important thing. I don't think that there's a we're going to play this and everybody else can just deal with it because I don't think we quite have the talent to do that. Yeah, and I think one strength of being able to have three or four go-to formations to start a game with makes it far harder for a team to prepare to play against us. Yeah, like if we agree. get settled in a four-two-three-one, you know, we use that phrase being found out and that happens when teams sort of settle into one thing and only have one identity and, and one way of being able to play. And, you know, you, the upside of that is you have one fantastic season or one fantastic run of games like a Leicester or a, you know Chelsea for 13 games and they, they may well go on to win the league on the back of that stretch of form. Um, but you do sort of, you leave yourself open to being studied and and people can prepare to play against you specifically. Um, whereas because we've got now several cards up our sleeves, it means that no matter who scouts us, that they're going to have to scout three or four different teams, yeah. essentially. And they I don't know that, what's coming for us. And I think that's advantage. a huge strength. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. And I, I don't think that's something we've had before. Even when we played 4-2-3-1 last season, it was still something that other teams could pick up on because we knew what formation we'd be playing. We knew who would be in that formation. That's but it. because we can we well, can drop Eric Dyer back and do these sort of things now, it just leaves us, you know, it's a, it's a completely different... Well, the closest um, we used to get to, to it was like the difference between Redknapp's 4-4-2 and his 4-4-1-1. <laughs> yeah, depending on how up the field Van der Vaart Yeah, or, you know, how fit he was. You know, it's like, I... I um. It creates a huge, huge advantage. I, I think also, like, enough doesn't get made of like how good a coach you have to be to create that type of flexibility, because mm-hmm. unless you're playing that formation, like that for, that three four three exists primarily on the training ground, and for them to to convert it into a match situation, but not only a match situation, but into against the the form team in the country who don't give up. Chelsea not only have a really good defensive record, they don't really give up chances. Um, yeah, and the farm team in the country that have made that formation yeah. their sort of trick. That's it. That's it. And and they don't give up chances really, and they they don't really, um, you know, they they you know they create plenty of their own. Um, and on both of the sides of the ball, we we made them look fairly anemic. Um, so, you know, it's pretty impressive stuff. Yes. Um, I think, uh, well, to build on from that, Matt Cole sent us a question saying, if it is to be three at the back, how will that affect recruitment? Need another midfielder if Dyer will be playing centre-back? Um, I think we recruit as we have been doing. I think maybe we will look for players that maybe can fill in in more than one position, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. just so that we can have that versatility. Yeah, I think I think midfield is interesting because I think, I think uh, what's becoming clear is that uh, Pochettino really rates Harry Winks, which he absolutely should. Um, yes, but I, I, I think, um, you know, I, I, I think Tom Carroll's Tottenham career is probably an end. Um, but I don't. Um, I think we'll probably see him play on the weekend against Aston. Yeah, I, I think so. I think we'll play play quite a weak side. I mean, why wouldn't you? But um, uh, I, I don't know. I mean, the thing about recruitment is that it's it's not obvious what we really need. Um, I think I think we're in a land now where instead of you know for a long time it was all about well we've got to get that particular forward that turned out to be Soldado you know we need that midfielder we need that centre back and the thing is, is we've kind of got all of those players now um, you know the, the sort of Kane Dembele Wanyama Alderweireld Vertonghen you know there's no obvious weakness um, and so it's I think it's really the recruitment now is is probably about adding layers of flexibility in lots of different areas. Um, yes. Beyond fullback, because I, I can't believe that we're going to sign another fullback anytime soon. But I think, um, yeah. depending on whether or not Davies and Trippier are happy playing second. Field. Yeah, yeah. Of course, if, if one of them was to go, then naturally you need to go back into the market. But there's no, I don't see if we were to make another big like a top tier acquisition, I don't see where it would be. I think maybe I think left that, wing. Yeah, I, I I wouldn't be averse to. Uh, I know we're dangerously close to treading on the Son conversation. But I wouldn't be averse to to having, uh, yeah, a, a very left sided player. Um, I mean, because that that it's not really Ericsson, it's not really Ali. When um, Lamella 
much prefer to be on the right side. I think that's possibly the one area. You know, if, if say, for instance, we'd sign someone like Sadio Mane uh, in the summer, I think that's possibly the one area where you could where you could uh, do something. But I, I don't think we'll see. I, I think it's going to be we're going to exist in sort of the ten to fifteen million pound range and the sort of what can we do with this uh, in Kodu or in G or you know I, I think we're with that team now for a while. Yeah. And I don't think there's some there's anything necessarily wrong with no, that. No, I don't think so either. Yeah. Not not sent us too far wrong so far. And I I mean I've heard talk about like Ross Barkley. So I, don't, I don't want Ross Barkley. I mean, Ross Barkley for Musa Sissoko. Well, I I just I I don't see. I'm not sold on Sissoko. I I know he's had a couple of good games, but I think I think we always said hasn't quite worked out like this. But I I think even when he signed, at least Turvis at the time said, "Don't be surprised if he has a good six months." Um, yeah. I, I'm not. I'm not convinced there yet. Uh, son's a different issue, um, but I, I, I don't. You know, neither of those players fills an obvious need at Tottenham at the moment. Um, they should do for their fees. I'm slightly intrigued but... by the Barkley one. I must admit, I don't. I don't rate him highly. I don't think he is sort of the new Wayne Rooney or whatever. Whatever people think he is, I do think he sort of had exactly the same stalled career for about five years now. Yeah. But with Pochettino, with perhaps new surroundings and. With something to prove, with maybe a chip on his shoulder, having you not know, been kicked out the door at Everton quite unceremoniously, and not having the team built around him as maybe he expected it to, um, it'd be interesting to see what he could do with you know a better manager, and you know with a bit of purpose behind him to see if Pochettino could strip him down and sort of you know coach out of him all the bad habits he's but, got yeah. and make a player out of him. I mean, I, I would always back Pochettino to do that, but my, I have a, a weird theory about Ross Barkley. I, I don't think he's very bright. I, um, or, no, but I don't think a lot of our players are very bright. I no, think, but I, know, there's a difference between... Carl like, Walker probably eats polystyrene for dinner, but look how good he is. Yeah, but this, this is the thing, is that you've you got to believe... Like, I, I, Okay, basically, I think from what Danny Rose said six months ago about Pochettino being the first coach he's had, he's actually taught him how to play fullback. I think we've got to apply that to Carl Walker too. Um but I can't believe that anybody who's managed Ross Barkley over the last five years um, hasn't thought, God, if I could get this guy to play, you know, my career... Yeah, but look got- at the managers he's had. He's had David Moyes, who, you know, will he's not he's not exactly wants his flair players to flourish. No. Um, he's had Roberto Martinez, who does want his flair players to flourish, but he also wants them to do everything else because that's the only players he, he yeah. knows anything to do with. So... Everton were burned in defence. He's had Ronald Koeman now, who can't seem to get the best out of this Everton side for any sort of consistency. No, I, 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 well, no, I agree with that, mate. But then if you look, I, I, all, those managers all have flaws. I, I still really rate Koeman, but I'd say, firstly, Moyes made a very, very good player out of Tim Cahill, um, who was, I think, by his own admittance, has a fairly ordinary set of attributes. Um, Koeman, um, Martinez, um, Martinez got quite a lot out of Delafeo incontestably made Lukaku a better player than he was um, for all his other you know I mean he couldn't coach a defence to save his life I think we all agree on that uh, but it's not like sort of the number 10 midfield area that Barkley plays is that not a more nuanced position to try and get the best out of someone from than a winger it, it or is, a striker mate. but it, it is but then to see I'm not saying that sort of um, he should necessarily be absolutely definitively at the apex of his ability now, but to see not only no improvement, but an actual regression, is quite amazing because like there are very few, I mean, okay, Everton have not performed that well, but a lot of those players have improved. Um, like Seamus Coleman improved a lot under, under Moyes. Uh, Phil Jagielka looked like a competent centre-half at times under him. Leighton Baines played his best Premier League football. Like it, I don't think it's as much about position. I think it's about susceptibility to coaching because with those coaches also comes a backroom staff and a you know a technical team that specialise in certain areas, I'd imagine. So to see nothing, is it, it's very Aaron Lennon. Um, yeah, Aaron Lennon was good. Yeah, but Aaron Lennon was good because of... I don't think Aaron Lennon ever became a smarter footballer. I think he he was very quick and very good on the ball. I don't think he learned to ever do anything else. Um, and uh, he was a very good player for us, and I, I would never deny that. Um, and, you know, I always be grateful for... He was very entertaining to watch at Wild Lane. But Barkley, you'd have to be suspicious of it because if you can't... Uh, also, the, the mistakes he makes in his game now are the same ones he's always been making. It's like, maybe don't try that elaborate back heel, you know, 35 yards from your own goal. 
maybe that's not a good idea. Maybe that is a. But that's the thing. I think Pochettino is the man that maybe can slap that out of him. I, I I don't I don't deny that he could be. I just think it's a hell of a risk if you imagine what Everton would probably ask in a transfer fee. I, I yeah, would I'd like, much rather go. I would much rather take aim at a more pliable player. A sort of, um, you know, I, I think for instance, I don't think this would happen either. But I think Wilfred Zahar is someone that I would rather have than Ronald, um, than 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 Ross Barkley because I think there's more you could probably do with his set of abilities, um, and. I've never rated Zaha. I well, I I I watched him on Tuesday, and he is quite limited, and he's not quite as good as Palace fans think he is. Um, I would be the first to admit that, but he's interesting because he's because he's so unpredictable. Um, first of all, he doesn't he, he works quite hard, and he doesn't actually he doesn't create any liabilities further back um, for for the defenders behind him. But he's also he's yeah he's a He's a bit of a joker in the pack, I suppose, is is the way you look at it. But again, not someone you'd ever want to pay more than fifteen million for. But Barkley, I don't know. I just, I just don't think Ross Barkley ever be better than he is now. Um, and I, that, I, I used to think he was great when he was nineteen. I wanted him starting, captaining England. You know, the whole whole nine yards. I mean, I'm, I'm sure if you Twitter searched things that I've said about him, you'll find it all. But I am um, not. I think there is a. I think there is a timeline on which somebody could get their arm around Ross Barkley and sort of knock his head into shape and, and make him into a sort of a, a competent, deeper midfielder. I, I wouldn't want to put him in number 10 because I think he gets too caught up in the temptations of such an advanced position. But I think if you if you beat some sort of, you know, rigidity and some, you know, confidence and and, and intelligence into him that he could play deeper and make runs from deeper and, and sort of almost in a Dembele like fashion play you know that area of the field with his size um but it'd just be about you'd have to you'd have to make him worse before you'd make him better you'd have to completely strip him um of anything he's learned up until this point and try and make a new footballer out of him i admit i completely agree but and, and that's why i just think you're buying scrap parts up that's it you're buying a boat to build a car on you and and like that's fine but um it's a gamble i just don't think we're i don't think we're in a place where if if, if, if that kind of money exists to spend i just would rather see it go. oh there's better places to spend that's it, it of course that's it yeah I don't. I, look, I don't think this is an active thing anyway, mate. It's just internet chat. Oh and, no, you know, I don't. There's it's nothing. An interesting sort of what if though. Yeah, sure, sure. Um, here's one from Connor Furness. Um, do you think it was a predetermined plan to target Moses and Aspilicueta's height at the back post? Uh, no, I don't. No, I think it just sort of borne out in that that way. Um, the two balls from Christian Eriksen, by the way, were. Excellent. He was brilliant all night. Uh, he just added some variety in the final third, in, in in a way that Chelsea had hadn't. You know, they they didn't have that creative outlet in the way that we did. That's it. And I, I think if you if you're going to target uh, someone at the back post, I think you use someone like Kane to do that. Um, I don't. I don't. I, I I thought those were the two goals came from really instinctive bits of play from Ericsson. And great move from Ali. I don't think it, it didn't. He definitely picked him out both times, but without question. But I'm not sure that was necessarily. Um, I think it was. I, I think it was circumstantial. I mean, um, I think that yeah, it just unfolded like that. Especially the first one. The first one was such a sort of accidental run of play. The way it yeah. fell to him, and you know the way that Ali sort of strolled into the area unmarked. Yeah. Um, I don't think you can really train for that no I, I don't think so no, I actually I feel a little bit sorry for Victor Moses today because uh, he's been he's been hammered a little bit whereas I think he was quite badly let down by um, by Pedro ahead of him and by and same for Alonso with Hazard I think I, I, I personally think Eden Hazard is an absolute coward of a footballer like the bigger the game the shitter he tends to be now um, and uh, you sort of you think okay well in a game where you're not playing well like you know, you're the, he, he is the sort of the caliber of player. You think you can do something. Um, he was playing up against uh, Carl Walker and Eric Dyer and he did nothing, which is, you know, and, and also we know he doesn't work that hard off the ball. So I think it's really easy to, to have a go at uh, Chelsea's wing backs after the fact. But I think that, I think their responsibility lay elsewhere. And I, th- I also think that kind of, it was a sort of a, a chickens coming home to roost scenario because that back three just isn't that good. Um, yeah. 
and it got shown out. You know, there's so many people that said, oh, well, actually, David Luiz is a really, really good defender. No, he's not. I mean, <laughs> it's been proven lots and lots of times. And, you know, if you, I mean, look, I, I would never say that Chelsea's winning streak wasn't impressive, but if you go back through it and look at the teams that have been beaten and the way in which they were beaten, you would say you would be talking about Kante and Matic long before you sort of try and convince me that that Azpilicueta is a great centre-back or that that Luis has actually turned into Beckenbauer. I mean, come on, you know, not true. Um, Matthew Barham says, uh, Lloris is kicking and passing from pass-backs. Is that going to cost us points? He looked very suspect in the last few games. He always Um, has done, though. I mean... Yeah, this is something I I once wrote about Hugo Lloris when I sort of when it looked as if he may be leaving, um, sort of maybe at the start of Pochettino's reign or just before he came in, and so uh, I think the line I used was complaining about Hugo Lloris's passing and distribution is like finding out your soulmates with Miss World, but breaking up with her because she puts the milk in her tea first. There you go, there you go. Uh, and it's such a small flaw for such a high upside. That you know what he can kick it to the other team all he wants. For all <laughs> he'll he'll still make the save at the end yeah, of the move. Yeah, that's it. it. They'll right. still be. He will still win far more points than he will ever cost. It's um, um it's quite a fun thing actually because you know, uh, and he he really really can't kick. He really, it's but not, it's even worse than that. You can actually you can hear the intake of breath around you in the ground yeah. when he has it. <laughs> Wherever you are, you just hear people, you just hear random blokes because go, oh, fuck. <laughs> oh, dear. I mean, it's not as if we're pretending it isn't an issue, but it's such a, a small issue compared to what the other side is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's, you know, it it's it's inconvenient. It's, it's inconvenient. It's not a problem. I mean, maybe he does cost us one game, a, a game someday, but I, I, you know, it's Lloris, man. He's, he's, it's He's like not, winning the lottery and complaining that they gave you the notes. That yeah, um, you know, that's it. He's he's uh, he's by far the best Tottenham goalkeeper of my lifetime, and it's yeah. not even close. Um, He's the best goalkeeper in the league. Yes, I would say so. Yeah. Um, Spurs memory man says ten games unbeaten at home with nine to go. Who will be the final team to win away at White Hart Lane? Who was the last team to win away at White Hart Lane last year? Um, Southampton. And then it'll be them, because I don't think we'll lose. Um, I don't think we'll lose for the rest of the year at home. Um, I don't know who would beat us. I mean... Who have uh, we still got to come? We've got Manchester United Manchester on the last United. game. Um, Arsenal, um, and that's about it, isn't it? We've got none of the other... Liverpool have been already. Um, and that's it. We've, we've only got two big games left. West Ham have still get to come, but they're shit. No, 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 no. We've beaten West Ham at the lane. Oh, West. Oh, yeah. We've played West Ham. Yeah, I forgot yeah, about that. Yeah. We beat them with two late goals. Yeah. That, that was oh, a, probably our worst performance of the season, and we still won. It's happening yeah, again. Yeah. <laughs> it's fantastic. That, that, that was that was that was the most that was the most wonderful bit of poetic justice because it was just that's all they sang for the entire second half. It's happening again. No, it's not. Yeah, dickheads. They are um, fucking. Don't <laughs> shut up and go and fight amongst yourselves. Christopher Finlay, uh, what areas would you like to see strengthened during the window to push us on down the stretch? I think we said this, didn't we? Yeah, it's, it's kind of the same of, question. Yeah, we'll it'll just be sort of padding the squad rather than buying someone to win as the league. Kind of soft, soft clay players. We're not. I, I, I can't believe that we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna do anything. Um, I mean, we don't have any African uh, Africa Cup of Nations issues, so... Uh, yeah, Kenya didn't qualify. Yeah, exactly. Which is, um, sorry I'm, sorry to any Kenyan listeners, but that is brilliant that they didn't... Yeah, it's you know. fantastic. Yeah. Um, Alex Bottomley, do you prefer winning against Arsenal or Chelsea? Chelsea being more clearly evil or Arsenal just being Arsenal? Uh, Arsenal because I love the reaction it creates in their fan base. Yeah, it's, it's Arsenal for me, even though Chelsea do represent everything I hate about the modern game. But it's the not... The feeling of, uh, the, you know, the, the the dread and the sort of the physical reaction to even just the thought of playing Arsenal in any sort of important match or any match, to be honest, um, is just visceral in a way that it isn't against any other team. I think I think this is, um, this is a question that it, it could be interesting in the next generation because... We obviously remember a time before Chelsea were Chelsea, like and Chelsea mm. were. When I was growing up, Chelsea weren't a big team. They're just Chelsea. They're playing that shit ground with a you know, 
which was seemed always to be a building site. On um, the sand pitch. That's it. And um, and Arsenal, I, I, I can't ever see a situation where Arsenal's not the biggest game on the calendar. Um, and it was the one that matters most to me. Even I mean, like, even I would prefer to be Arsenal League Cup game than Chelsea in a Premier League game. I mean, I, I, I enjoy that much. Um, because it sort of it always comes with this. Okay, you know, you, you leave the ground, you feel fucking great about it. But then you go home, or you're on the train, and you have the added gifts of now, like their meltdown, and the, and the sort of the, the the ridiculous things get said. It's just it's like the kind of it's like the bow on the on the present, isn't it? I mean, it's uh, yeah. the icing on the cake, whatever. It, it's um, it's uh, it's one of my favorite things. I don't really yeah, like Arsenal fan TV, but I love the sort of the um the vulnerability it exposes. Um, it's yeah. a nice kind of sadistic side, but it's honest, you know. Right. Yeah, especially for us as well, because we, we we grew up in areas where that game was, you know, always full of hope going into it, and always full of disappointment coming back out. That now the the playing field has been levelled through nothing more than Tottenham growing as a club. Yeah. Um, it just means so much more than than any others. Uh, and also, mate, like basically, I mean, I spent. Uh, over 10 years of my life living in London but for the most for the rest of it I've lived in places where Arsenal fans are much more prevalent like you know every every, every sort of you know during the kind of uh, sort of mid to late 90s they started popping up like melanoma you know they sort of like after every honorary goal there, there was another diehard Arsenal fan and, and it's going to be weird when we like have kids and everyone at school is a Man City fan or something yeah that will be weird like what um, about Manchester City that, I mean that is football like, I'm not singling out Arsenal because they're, they're not the worst example of that um, but uh, yeah so there's the kind of like you, you spent your life under the cosh and being the butt of jokes and you know Chelsea fans a lot of Chelsea fans have a natural reticence because they know and we know that they haven't been there for that long. Um, a lot of them have been, fine, but there's a lot of them, the lot, you know, there's a statistic that says that uh, their, their support base has grown by 800% since 2004. What they, they sort of recognise is... They're massive in Africa, aren't they? Yeah, well, I mean, and, and, that, and that's fine. Like, football needs new fans. I think that's because they had players like uh, Michael Essien and things like Yeah. Drogba, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and... Yeah, so Arsenal... John Obi Mikel. Yeah, he's a big draw, John Obi Mikel. Everyone loves him. No, I think he is genuinely yeah, that he's, massive in Nigeria. Yeah, he's though, very I popular. I think he's like the Nigerian Messi. Yeah, I mean, I criticised him once and, you know, the whole <laughs> country of Nigeria descended upon me um, on You're Twitter. You're no longer welcome in Lagos. No, I don't, I don't think I'll ever go there, just in case. Just in case I, I, I go there and they're sort of like, you know, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, Ryan... Uh, Kohlberg Rye says, um, "Was the Chelsea mo- was the Chelsea win the sole motivation for coming back from the dead, or did you both miss Jack too much? Given that Jack's not here, that should answer your question." Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I was uh, I was genuinely uh, ill. Um, uh, I, I had, I, I, yeah. Um, I had um, what do you call it? Um, that bug. I can't forget what it's called now. Um, we named the podcast after it, and then I had a. Chest oh, norovirus. Yeah, I had norovirus, mm. and then I had a chest infection, and then I had sinusitis. Mate, right, so I've had take, a, have some vitamin C. Mate, seriously. Yeah, I had a, I had a dry. Eat, eat some it's vegetables. It's not that I've got a... Um, <laughs> no, it's not that I've got a blood deficiency, haven't I? I've got a beta thalassemia, so I've got a natural lack of white blood cells. Um, so I, I have a weaker immune system than most, um, so I catch colds faster and can't get rid of them as easy, um, which is, is fun. Um, mm, lol at you yeah yeah i think there's a an actual thing where um i can't have children with anyone else who has this because they, they won't see their 10th birthday um i don't Jesus, think it's very that's brutal. yeah i don't think um it's very um prevalent in society but it's one of those where you before you you decide to procreate it's a conversation you have just for the um health of the child um, I think so. Cracking, cracking opening line in a, in a in a Huddersfield nightclub, though, mate. Like, hey, love, have you got beta thalassemia? Yeah. No. Uh, do you want to go to eat up? You come home with me. We need to go down to the doctor. You need to have a blood test first, but come home with me. <laughs> it's all right, love. I'll keep one in the bathroom cupboard. Just, just... <laughs> yeah, yeah. No. Um, <laughs> it's not funny, is it? No, no. It's a little no. bit funny. <laughs> not that I try and like procreate with every lady I bring home anyway. Oh. Um, that would be a strange habit. Um, 
Uh, can we move on, please? Yep. There's no more, there's no more questions. No. So. <laughs> <laughs> we managed to end it on this sour note. Um, have you got any ailments you wish to discuss? No, I'm recovering from illness. Uh, have you had any conversations about cro- procreatment with your girlfriend? Uh, no, we have not. No. Um, no. You should. Does she listen to the podcast? She does, yes. Yeah, now's the time just like to freak him out. Just please like, put your phone on record in your pocket and just like earnestly ask him, you know, Seb, I want to have kids and see what his reaction is. And then email it to me or Jack so we can play it on the podcast, please. No, don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> if you're listening, don't do that. It'll just be like that question and then the sound of Seb as he runs through his doors. Like and you know, like a cartoon outline of your bodies appearing in the doors where you haven't opened them. No, 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 no. <laughs> you like how uncomfortable this managed to make you. At least we're even now. Yeah. Um, is there any lasting thoughts from the Chelsea game that you didn't manage to say that you want to get out? I don't think so. I um. No, I just it was it was such a. I don't know. I, don't, I think I've ever felt such. You, ordinarily, after that kind of win, I feel mentally exhausted because it just takes such a toll on me. Because um, I, I had to watch the game on TV last night, um, and that's always—I don't know why—but it's always worse. Um, it was nice to have confirmation that Tottenham are as good as we we hoped we were. Yeah. Especially after you know the last couple of podcasts that you and Jack did before Christmas were depressing as fuck. I was ill at the time, and having to listen to them, I wanted to you know called Samaritans after I'd listened to you two. Well, in, in, in um, fairness to those pods, I, I think some of the stuff we said still stands true. I mean, we were a bit low generally and it was probably a bit too negative, I admit that, but I um, I think, um, yeah, I still have a few. Oh, that, this is not the time for that. Like, let's do that another time. I was going to say, don't get depressing nah, after no, 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 just no, beating no. Chelsea. I think on we're the pitch, fantastic, great. I'm, I'm not, I'm not um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I feel a lot happier about Tottenham life. Are we in the title race? Uh, we are third in the league. Let's get to the other end of the Man City game. When is that? Is that the end of the month? That is three weeks' time. Okay. Um, last question then, just with Villa in mind. What team would you put out against Villa? I don't care, mate. It's Villa. I mean, <laughs> take that, You'd Santai. <laughs> Vorm, Trippier. Fucking hell. Vorm, Vorm, the cup killer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, he I, had a shocker last time we played in the cup, didn't he? Throw one on his own net against someone shit. Probably he seems to do that every time we play in a cup game. Like in um, fairness to Mich- Michel Vorm, like when he played this season, he's been very good. Like, yeah. He's made some really good say against Everton and Liverpool. He, he played very very well, but um, he's just not that good. Uh, he made would, an outstanding save against Liverpool. He really off man off Coutinho, I think. Yeah, uh, yeah, he did. Uh, well, I would um, I would I would start uh, Harry Winks. I'd give Janssen a start. Vimmer. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. And Nakudu, I want to see Nakudu for now. Yeah, I quite like seeing Nakudu, but I, I wouldn't. Um, Sissoko. I would keep like three or four first teamers in there, um, not because I'm particularly afraid of Villa. I'd give Dyer a run in midfield as well. Yeah, give him a go there, and um, you know maybe maybe you know put an Edwards or two on the bench, and you know make make people feel loved. Um, Give people a chance to play their way into the Premier League team. I basically. think Marcus Edwards has got sort of first team minutes guaranteed in his contract somewhere, or is it just the first team squad number? I don't know. I um, incentivised him. No idea. I I don't know about that. I mean, I um, I don't know. I uh, oh, I'm I'm as excited as anyone to see Marcus Edwards, but I have no idea about his uh, stuff. He hit the bar, didn't he? In the was it the bar? Or did he have one saved when he, f- he came on for the first time? Uh, what in pre-season? No, no, in a cup game earlier on this year. Uh, when was that? Because we played someone shit just before we played um, Liverpool in the Carling Cup. Oh, that's the right. First cup game. We played someone at, um, like Colchester at home. Or... Yeah, maybe them. Oh, I don't know. I can't remember, mate. It seems a long time ago. <laughs> I remember. I remember it being a game that I didn't go to and that wasn't on television. So, um, I don't think I paid it that much attention. Proper supporter. Yeah, proper Spurs, okay. that. Yeah. We'll, um, we'll leave that there then, mate. Okay, mate. It was nice speaking to you again. Yeah, you too. I'm glad Happy you, New Year. Glad your uh, your blood condition is... I don't know what I'm about to say, actually. <laughs> I'm glad you're still with us. I think I'll, I'll put it that way. I was never going to die. I was just... No, there were, there were times when we thought maybe, you know... No. Like, we, you know, there there'll be silence on the WhatsApp group and we thought maybe he's just gone. Maybe it's no, over. before I... Before I die, there'll be a 
a stream of sort of unspoken tweets that'll name and shame and send shots at people. Like you mean like the the the, the night that we don't talk about anymore. <laughs> that wasn't those weren't shots. That was the opposite of illness, but that was no. that is not to be repeated. It was an illness of one kind. That was some serious misuse of the official Rule of Ruth Twitter account that. Yeah. Never self medicate. No, I know that, but you're not a block capitals guy. But <laughs> you you were that night. You were exclamation marks, capital letters, whole nine yards, mate. You went you went uh I have no memory of it. No, no, no that's a good thing. Right. Yeah. I remember waking up at seven thirty and just thought, for fuck's sake. <laughs> I remember going to bed at 7.30 and not thinking anything. Yeah, yeah. Probably for the best. <laughs> yeah. I just, you know, I felt better beating Chelsea than I did the morning after that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> beating Chelsea is almost as good as kicking Chelsea. That would be my final thing. Yeah. All right, mate. Um, if you want to listen to old episodes of Roller Roost, you can. Um, it's on the website, rtrpod.com. Uh, we're on iTunes. Uh, there's Acast and an app. Uh, that Jack seems to mention. Uh, we've got an email address if you want to email us anything, questions or anything like that, or just, you know, um, shit. Um, and iTunes, leave us nice reviews because Jack says that helps um, and we believe him when he tells us things like that. Uh, so thank you very much and um, we'll be back next week, probably after the Villa game before we play West Brom. Great. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.